If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. So welcome, Tony. I'm really fired up about hearing about your perspective, you know, uh, on how to become a millionaire, especially after you've, you know, worked with Dave Ramsey for 15 years, you must have a perspective, which I would, and I don't know him per se, I know a little bit of his brand, but it's mostly a defensive strategy. It's about pay off your debt, pay off your debt, which Americans certainly need some help with, even though uh, he's been campaigning to change that. There still seems to be a few of them out there. So welcome to Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, you know, you're right. Uh, I didn't really think of it when I worked there because I've been gone for, for five years from uh, Dave's company. But um, as I've left there, a lot of the people that I've talked to have talked about it being more of a scarcity mindset uh, versus an abundance mindset, which the stuff I teach is more of an abundance mindset. And, uh, you know, I think there's some reasons why that is, but I think a lot of people are living today, you know, with over 70% of people living paycheck to paycheck, you know, that was the number when Dave started 30 years ago, and it's still pretty much the number today. So even with all the great work and the millions of people's lives that he's touched, uh, we still have a really bad problem with people's personal finance, right? Uh, just nationwide, worldwide, it's still a major issue. And, uh, you know, just like you, I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, how to change that. I really want to be one of the people that changes the system. And has a big impact, not just a, you know, it's, it's okay to change lives, yeah. but how can you change the system? So let's unpack that a little bit. And let's kind of reverse engineer it. So Dave Ramsey is a big organization with a lot of staff. Yes. Yeah. A thousand people, I think $200 million in revenue and uh, been working on their third building. Now, I think it's a big conference center they're building on campus now. And what exactly were you doing for him? Yeah. So when I joined the company, it was uh, during the digital age. And so I joined in uh, 2001 as a, a kind of like an internet guy, really became kind of the, the VP of internet business and technology and helped transition the company into the digital age. I kind of spearheaded that. And then in my last four years there, I was on the board of directors functioning as the CIO, that's chief information officer and a chief operations officer. And, uh, and then, you know, my time ended in uh, 2016, uh, you know, kind of, kind of became a square peg in a round hole. I no longer fit the organization and uh, had to move on. So he has a thousand people that work for him. What are they doing? What problem are they solving for, you know, the average American? Yeah, I think the, the awesome thing about Dave Ramsey's company and, uh, you know, this five years since I've been there, so it's probably changed quite a bit, but Dave is an entrepreneur at heart and he's a salesman. So uh, differently than say, uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki or some of the other guys that are out there, what Dave did very differently from an entrepreneurial perspective is he uh, ended up expanding into each business vertical. So like his material made its way into schools, it made its way into churches, it made its way into youth groups. So he was always creating new products that addressed specific market vertical needs. And so he was the guy that went in and filled all those needs. Whereas you look at the, his predecessors or even people today that don't, that are kind of teaching people about personal finance, they're really not going into those different verticals and reaching the broader uh, spectrum of people that Dave is actually reaching. And I think that's one of the magic pieces of what he's done is uh, really gotten that material, those seven baby steps into as many people's hands as possible. So 
I have been for now for eight years running a mastermind group. And the reason I started this podcast, Tony, is that I come from a 20 years of working with Tony Robbins. And I started to see people come to these events, get fired up, go back home, come back a year or two later. And they weren't in better shape physically, financially, or even emotionally, because the environment is power, more powerful than the willpower for most people. Absolutely. Three days at a Tony Robbins event, you're fired up, you go home, you've walked on fire, you think you can take on the world, you go home, everybody's around you. What are you thinking? You're an idiot, that'll never work. Uh, And they look at your old identity, right? Like if you've ever gone back to a high school reunion, people are like, oh, you know, you're still that chubby kid or you're still that, you know, nerdy kid. And they want to put you back in that box. And that's what happens whenever you go. So you have to have incredible hunger, like, you know, Les Brown says to break through. And, and I grew up in an adverse environment where I, I, I had that discipline to do that. But what, is, what are some of the things that um, you think are preventing people, this, this overall mass 70% paycheck to paycheck from breaking through and becoming financially free when there's so much information on Google, you can Google the 10 habits of a millionaire. You could go out there. You could do it. What do you think is missing, Tony? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things missing, but let me start with the lowest hanging kind of fruit uh, to identify. And that is one is a belief, right? So people have to believe that it, it's something that they can do. And, 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 and counter to that, um, they have to stop misbelieving that it's something that they can't do, right? So, for example, I, I have come up with these things called the three misbeliefs of wealth. It's probably more like four, five, or six. But, um, you know, a lot of people that I talk to that aren't wealthy, you know, even my family members, uh, the things that automatically come to mind when you start talking about wealth for people is, oh, I'll never be rich. That's like the first thing out of their mouths is like, I'll never, that's not me. I will, I'll never be rich. Or um, those rich people got lucky. Right. So these are all excuses that people make that keep them from really moving forward or accomplishing more. Uh, Another one would be um, those rich people are bad. Right. How many times have you heard that rich people are but not good people? It's it's just not true. None of those things are true. You know, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. So money has to have its place in our life. And once we get it in the right place, then I think we can start to break free. Another one uh, that's very important is vision. I think people don't have a vision for their future. Most people don't have, I think most people don't have the capability to create their own vision. And that's okay. That's just the way they're made. But what they can do is latch onto somebody else's vision and benefit from that. And I think that's one of the reasons that Dave Ramsey's system has worked so well is because he is letting people borrow his vision of becoming debt-free when they themselves don't have a vision. So they, they know that they've got pain, they're hurting, um, they don't know what to do. So they go, hey, I found this guy, Dave Ramsey, and he's telling me that I can become debt-free. And that's a vision. That's a, it's a vision of becoming debt-free. And so people latch onto that and then they call on his radio show and they yell out, I'm debt-free. And that they've accomplished the goal that he's given them. Okay, that's a, that's a wonderful model. I think for you and I, what we're trying to do is really give them a different vision. And my vision is, hey, I would like to see everybody in Nashville, my hometown, to run around with a millionaire plan just like I did when I was 25 years old. And you know, now I've done uh, 70 different podcasts and what I'm seeing is patterns, right? So what people have to understand is that becoming a millionaire or building wealth is a process. 
And once you grab hold of the vision and the belief, then you can also grab hold of the process and walk through the steps that all the rest of us have gone through. And anybody can do that. You know, I've got uh, people on my show that uh, their grandmothers were had a sixth grade education and got into rental, uh, real estate and rentals and became millionaires with a black woman with a sixth grade education born back in the 40s and 50s became a millionaire. How does that happen? Because the process is repeatable and anybody can really do it. It's a little harder for some people, but, but anyone can do it. Yeah, no, I love the way you describe that. So if I come to you, let's say I'm, uh, I don't know, 32 years old, uh, married, two kids, got a job making 70,000 a year, uh, but I'm spending 70,000 a year, maybe even a little bit more. Um, how are you going to coach me to become a millionaire? Yeah, I think the first thing I'm going to tell somebody to do is I'm going to tell you, I'm going to look at who they are as their character. Um, and so I don't start with money principles. I start with life principles. And so I look at a person's character. I don't believe you can build or keep wealth if you don't have strong character. There has to be things about your character that align with your ability to build wealth. And we see that through the NFL, these guys that had all this money, but then they got out and then they were broke within three years after making 50 or 100 or $150 million. And, and it comes down to character. Another one of those is time, like how you manage your time. Uh, a lot of time is getting wasted. You know, uh, Warren Buffett, the one of the wealthiest men in the world, uh, the Oracle of Omaha, uh, widely acknowledges the, the best investor of all time. Um, he has the same amount of time that you and I do. It's what he did with his time that makes really the difference. And then, you know, being able to take advantage of opportunities, of course, of course. And then the last key, uh, then I get into a get money smart, right? So like you, none of us were born coming out of the womb, you know, taking our first breaths with money knowledge. Well, none of us had that. None of us, not even, not Warren Buffett, not Bill Gates, not Jeff Bezos. None of us had that. At some point in our lives, we had to get money smart. We had to take time to learn about the principles of producing wealth. And I think that's where I start really in the money principles. So if somebody came to me with 70,000, I'd say, how much do you really understand about money and how it's made and how it's multiplied and how it's managed? And then I would work on their skills in that area, which is what I started with. Uh, I didn't know anything about money at 25. That's why I was $16,000 in debt after making 39 grand the year before. I'm like, wow, this is, this is a terrible model. Like if I do this again, I'm going to be $32,000 in debt next year. If I do the same thing again next year that I did this year. So I started to correct that. And I did that by learning. And then once I learned, then I could get into the principles of like, oh, how do we do this? Um, and I think that's where the next step would be getting people, uh, finding a mentor like you or me, and then getting on uh, a wealth, not a wealth plan, but like a, a budgeting plan. Like, where's your money really going? Like, you have to take a look at that. Um, what, what enabled a $39,000 a year guy like me to believe that I could become a millionaire? And it really came down to the math. Like, where is my money going and how can I multiply it? And once I understood that, that's what allowed me to latch hold of the vision and the belief and then put the plan together. Yeah, I really like the way you break that down because we talk a lot in our group about the different money personalities. You talk about the character and those are all birthed out of what you experience witnessing often your parents or your caretakers manage or mismanage money, uh, argue over money, uh, not talk about money. And so as you grow up and you witness this, you start to develop a habit that's unconscious and you start to live that out and because most people, 70%, according to you, are paycheck to paycheck, there's a high probability that you may model that behavior around you. 
I often tease people, Tony, and I say, did you have a piggy bank ever growing up? And you and I may be of the age of that today. People are all digital, whatever. They've got NFTs and whatever. Who knows what they have? <laughs> but I remember having a piggy bank. And, you know, once I got it to the point where I had enough money in there, I remember taking it and smashing it to buy a bike. I didn't smash it and take the money to go out and invest in a cash flowing asset. That's not what I was taught. I was taught, take the money you got from your grandmother, take the money you got from your birthday, put it in the piggy bank, save, 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 save. So one day you can buy it. You can buy something. What is your thoughts on the psychology of that? Most people are consumers, not investors. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, sadly, uh, you know, the more I learn about this, and these are things that I've learned over the last five years, is the system is really set up to harvest us. Right. Yeah. So when you look at the system and, uh, you know, in America, we, we don't see it as much because our system was better, you know, from the from the get go. It's set up to be a free system to let us live freely and to benefit from that freedom. Um, but as as the you know last 250 years uh, have passed, uh, our system has become less and less free and more and more constraining. And, and it sounds weird to say that because, you know, 40 percent of the world's millionaires live in the United States. And, and we do have, uh, like, it's about, I think, uh, about 12 million households, American households, are millionaire households now. So roughly uh, a little over 10% of all households in America are now millionaire households. So when you look at those statistics, you go, wow, how can you say that the U.S. system is, uh, or the financial system is more of a, a slave-based system or a servant-based system? And when you look at where the money flows and how everything is built, you start to understand that. Uh, and so consumerism is what you're talking about, how we get marketed to. I think I don't even know what the latest numbers are, but the average person, if they watch television or drive down the road and look at ads or even on your mobile phone today, right? Yeah. Uh, if you play a game, if you play a game on your mobile phone, it's designed to intersperse ads in between your different levels if you yeah. haven't bought the game. So you're getting prompted to all the time. And I think the last number, I don't know, it's 4,000, 7,000 ads a day or something like that. Just ridiculous. So your program to go buy something. So you're in impressions, right? Yeah. Impressions. impressions. Yeah. Add impressions. So you're, uh, you're being programmed every day to go spend your money that you make and not put it in the right place. And consequently, you know, people keep asking the question, like, why weren't we taught this in school? Why did I have to wait? Why did I, Tony Bradshaw, have to wait till I was 25 years old to learn about personal finance on my own by going to the bookstore? Why was that? And I would tell you that it's all by design. So yeah. when you and when you look at it, you've got a central bank, uh, the federal bank, which is not even a government entity. It exists outside the U.S. government, and people don't understand that it's not it's not part of the U.S. government. It exists outside of that, and so and it's all complex money, for a reason. The whole thing is complex, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like you're going to explain this now, and some people are going to start to go unconsciously zone out and go, hold on, but keep on going. Yeah, I'm not going to explain it in a lot of detail because I'm just going to explain a couple of things, and that's this. When you look at the core of the system and understand it, at it's very simple fact, it's this. Uh, we go to work and we will work in our lifetime between 100,000 and 150,000 hours. If you work 2,000 hours, eight hour day uh, from age like 16 to 66, you're going to work roughly about 100,000 hours uh, in your lifetime. If you work overtime, which most of us do, then you're going to you know, skew that number up. For some people, it may become 150,000 hours if you're a workaholic, right? I'm already at 200,000. <laughs> you're, you're an overachiever. Okay, so, so the thing is, like, at the end of your life, 
people are living on social security after doing that much work. And then we don't ask the question like, why did I work all that? And then end up on social security. Like it doesn't make sense. Right. So, and it's because the system is designed to harvest it. So what we do is go to work and convert our time into currency, which is the U S dollar for us. And then the whole system is designed to collect that currency and roll it up to a very, very few people yeah. numerically, right? 330 million Americans in the United States. Uh, very small. I think it's 280,000 that have a net worth over 25 million. And then if you get up into the, you know, the bankers and stuff, it's a different number. But that whole system is set up to harvest that and it harvests it through interest. It harvests it through taxes. And those ta that tax money, when you look at where that tax money goes, it even goes into businesses that are designed to uh, harvest. So like one that gets you, this will blow your mind, right? Uh, we we uh, privatized correctional facilities back in, I don't remember when it even happened, maybe it was in the 80s, where we no longer had government-driven uh, correctional facilities. That's jails for everybody that's listening, prisons. But that became a business. And then after that happened, they passed laws, three strikes, you're outlaw. So now they filled up the prisons. So they passed the law for the prisons. Then they passed the law to fill up the prisons. And then they used the tax dollars to pay for the prisons and then who was privatized at that point. So now all the money from the taxes rolled right into the people who were running the businesses of the prisons. It's, it, and then when you look around, like the whole system is set up that way. Uh, you got people on credit cards, you know, I've got some clients with 30% interest rates. So, you know, a $10,000 credit card, you're paying 3000 roughly dollars uh, in interest a year. So the system rolls up like that. And so that's, that's a different phase. It's not consumerism where you're spending the money but it is a different way that the money's being harvested. And what we've got to do is reverse that flow, right? Uh, and that's, I don't really put a lot of focus on actual like detail budgets. What I do is put focus on where's your money flowing to? If your money's flowing away from you, you're going to be broke in the future. If you can figure out how to flow your money to you and into the right places, then it's going to uh, accumulate and you're going to build wealth. And that's really the, the decision I made very simply as a 25-year-old guy. I said, you know what? All my money's going away from me. It's all flowing. I got to change that. So I, I really broke my budget down into three simple uh, areas. And it was, it was so simple for me. It was one, I got to have money to live on. That became $1,000 a month. I spent $1,000 a month doing that. I said, I need to pay off this car and I need to pay off these credit cards. That became $1,000 a month. And I need to invest. And that became $1,000 a month. So that was as simple as I could make it. And that's, that's an easy way to break it down. Then I pay taxes with another 900 bucks a month or something. Yeah. Wow. I, I like that. And for those of you that are listening, I think that was a really good description of, you know, the psychology of the, the global money direction. I'll give you a simple example to add to that, Tony, because I'm Canadian, although I live down here in the States. Um, our tax, we're, we're, we're almost communist now because of COVID, but we're generally socialistic. And um so about 49% tax at the rate if you're making more than about 70 or 80,000 a year. But then our alcohol is taxed at about 80%. So if you're going to go buy a bottle of wine in the United States, you get something for eight or 10 bucks. In Canada, it'll cost you 18. Um, so, and then the gasoline, you can get a gallon in the United States for say $2.30, whatever it is. I drive a Tesla, so I don't know anymore. Okay. Um, <laughs> whatever it is, what is it now? Last year, it might have been $2.39. Now, my friend was just telling me it was uh, on the low end, $3.19. So it's gone up a yeah. dollar in like six months. So in Canada, it'll be like $4.50 or $5 a gallon. So you take your 50 cents left over from what you earn. Now you go buy gas 
and you go buy alcohol and you go buy a lottery ticket, um, you're, I've done the calculation before, uh, before and you might be left with 20 cents on the dollar. And if you're not good at managing your taxes, you're probably not going to take all the tax deductions you could. And let's get into the conversation in a moment about Robert Kiyosaki. And so that person who maybe has a student debt or who is not very savvy and gets a car loan or doesn't have a good credit rating and gets somehow a mortgage at a high interest rate, they just really don't stand a chance in having that $1,000 you mentioned to invest. And that's why they're stuck in the system. And so what I teach people is the difference between active income and passive income, or what I call vertical, while you're exchanging time for money, and horizontal, while you've created something that brings money in while you're lying on the beach or you're lying in bed. And if you don't create that, even if you're a doctor making 500 bucks an hour or a lawyer, you're still trading time for money. The way you create freedom from my perspective is you, you get a form of a cash flowing asset, which is stocks and investment in other companies, businesses, leveraging people and systems, and or if you're the type of person that can invest in, um, in other um, ventures, such as say the new things that are coming out like crypto and, th and things like that. And if, you, if you're doing that, then you're not doing all the work. So talk to me a little bit about your perspective on that. Yeah, so I'm a big believer as I look at the system and learn more about the system is I'm going to roll the, the clock back thousands of years and I'm going, you know what, today money is still the same and real wealth is the same thing it was 3000 years ago, which is this, it's land, it's gold and silver, and it's um, business, which you you identified yeah. business. Yeah, like I love if you go back, that's right. Yeah. So if you go back, you know, through every dynasty, every government, every culture, everything, those three things have been money for like 3000 years, right? If not longer, 5000. Okay. So when I look at the systems we have in place, like the stock market, it's okay to invest in the stock market. But if 80% of your wealth is in the stock market, that's a bad thing in my book, because you're still in paper money and paper money burns as an economy goes down as a country goes down, which we haven't seen in Western culture in a number of years, but other countries have seen that regularly. You know, currencies uh, on average, the average currency uh, devalues every 75 years. The US dollar has been around for a lot longer now, um, but it's at a, an implosion point, right? There's a lot of people out there that think the US dollar is gonna collapse. Um, yes. and, I, and I'm one of those, I do believe that's coming. Um, so when you look at the stock market, that's kind of tied to the U.S. dollar. So you have to go, how, where else can I put my money? So I agree with your strategies 100%. I think one of the problems I see that people are doing is that they're not diversifying enough. So when you get into a mutual fund, you're diversified in the stock market, but you're still in the stock market. And a lot of the 401ks and where people believe their, their retirement monies are, they're all locked up in that one uh, that one. Um, tool of building wealth. And I think that's very, very dangerous. Whereas we, you know, we mentioned Robert Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki says that he only invests in three things right now. That's uh, real estate, uh, gold and Bitcoin. Like that's all he's putting money into. Well, hold and, on a second. Also guns. Oh, guns. Did he say that too? I haven't heard him say that though. I haven't heard him say that, but uh, yeah, I've got a friend that actually uh, says uh, he's, he's stockpiling uh, bullets because he goes in the new economy it's bullets are going to be the currency because right. everybody's going to be trying to survive. And, uh, you know, we, we don't have to go down the doomsday road unless you really, 
really no, want no, to. I just tease because I'm friends with, with Robert and uh, he works out the same gym I do. And I've, um, I've shared the stage with him and we've talked behind and he's very passionate about bunkers and guns and stuff like that. He, he's got that kind of mentality. I just think it's kind of funny. Uh, you need to connect me with Robert. I'd love to have him on my show. So, okay. But, but uh, yeah, but you're, you're in the right vein because you've got to create passive income. And so, you know, when I was 25, and it, this is something that just came into my mind, like it's probably only been about 30 days. And that's this, I was 25 and broke. And I said, I don't want to be broke. I want to be a millionaire by 40. And I want to be living off my investments by 40. Now I'm 50 now. And what I realized the other day is that uh, I haven't worked for anybody else since 2017. So I had forgotten after I became a millionaire, I had a great job and I was making great money. So I had let go of that part of my dream about uh, living off my investments. And so here I am four years later and I'm like, you know what? I've been living off my investments the last four years. I've been living off of what I did for the previous you know, 20 years. And, I, and that's the other part of my vision and my dream was to be able to live off of the investments that I made, make, make smarter investments. And that was, a, that was a, a new thing for me just in the last 30 days. I'm like, I reached that goal. I had forgotten about that goal, but I reached it. And so now I'm able to be free and do the things that I want to be doing. Now I have six kids. So my, my uh, math <laughs> formula changed a little bit from when I was 25. I did not plan on getting married and that wasn't part of my formula and get uh, $20,000 in debt that my wife brought. So I was debt free when I got married. My wife wasn't. Um, I had six kids. I tried to talk my wife into using uh, cloth diapers because it was a lot cheaper. And that was one of the not negotiables. She says, I am not using cloth diapers. We will be buying disposable diapers. And that was another $1,500 per kid, right? I did the math. I'm like, man, these diapers are expensive. Like that That's could be so going funny. into an I investment fund. I tried the same thing, but I lost that battle too, dude. <laughs> I'm kind of glad, you know, sometimes our wives have a lot more. Well, many times our wives have a yes. lot more wisdom than we do. And, uh, but yeah, but I didn't, but you know, those are things, those are hiccups and a wonderful things happens. I think when you, when you create a vision and my vision was be a millionaire by age 40, you start to move like you're, the human mind is so impressive that when it, you write a goal down, you have a vision and you start to create action towards it, it can adjust. Like, and that's what happened to me is, you know, I didn't, at that time I was making $39,000. I never imagined I would ever make a hundred grand in a year. Like that was not, my family did not come from a rich background. Like my parents were, I was making more money than my parents when I was uh, at 25. And uh, so that, that kind of gives you the context of where we we're at. And, and but we were able to hit the jump, jump in there, Tony. I think it's worth mentioning that that is often a blocker for most people, because when you haven't witnessed the uh, fact that somebody's making a hundred or 200 or 300,000, your brain doesn't have the reference. And if you think about it, you're going to go tie your shoe and you think, can I do it? Your brain very quickly looks back into its archives and goes, yes, we've done it 10,000 times. This is how you do it. I'm confident. But fly a rocket. All of a sudden you're like, uh, no, can't take action. Don't know what to do. And your mind gets filled with doubt. So if you haven't seen your parents earn more than 25 grand or whatever the number is, or anybody around you in your area code, your brain now is not going to have the reference and it's going to cast doubt. And that's where this whole conversation of personal development comes in or working with somebody like you, Tony, where you can say, hey, borrow my belief, borrow my system that gets X result, and I will hold your hand and mentor you and coach you. And that's the game changer for me that I've learned is that it doesn't even matter if you teach somebody or show somebody a system. If you can't hold their hand while they're in the trenches, 
they get discouraged. Most people will get discouraged. Not everybody is Michael Jordan and goes, I don't care what's happening. I'm going to work my ass off. Most people are like, oh, I, I don't know how that works. Oh, I called up the credit card and company and tried to negotiate the interest rate. They said no. And so they stop. But if somebody's there going, no, 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 they'll say no the first time, you have to ask this question. You have to come at it from another perspective. All of a sudden, their confidence goes up. Can you speak to that a little bit, working with people? Yeah. How important is that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that you just described. I'll, I'll address uh, a couple of them. One was a test of your character is what it takes to stop you. I've heard that for a number of years, you know, in the Dave Ramsey environment. And that that really holds true, right? So, and I tell my kids that now. I'm like, hey, you wanted to start a business you didn't knock on enough doors. They go, well, I knocked on five doors and everybody said no. I'm like, well, you needed to knock on six. You know, you got to keep going. A, a true salesperson knows that they have to knock on 99 doors uh, to get to get those 99 no's. And then that hundredth door is the one that's going to create the sale. And then it gets easier. You know, Grant Cardone talks about that, how he's a terrible salesman. And then he hated it. And then he went and I think it was... Uh, I forget which mentor he looked at, but he started listening to some tapes and he's like, oh, this is how I do it. And he changed. Now he's like a world renowned salesman. So right. you have to, you know, you have to break free from that belief. And, and I think there's a mental rut, right? And so as I've learned more and more over the last several years, just about myself, is that we create these ruts in our brains, just like in a road, right? So if you have a rut in a road and your tire gets in it, it's very difficult to get your tire out of that rut to get it back on the road your brain works very much the same way. And so your brain is going to, if you let it take you right back to whatever rut you came out of. Now, some of those ruts were dug by your, you know, your family and your parents, right? If you grew up in a broke family, you've got a broke family rut and you're more likely to run in that rut until you find a way to get out of it. And for some people that catalyst is, you know, debt and pain, like, you know, their marriage is hurting, they're in debt, they feel a lot of pain. And they latch on to something to get them out of that rut, like Dave Ramsey, right? So that's, and when I worked there, that was one of the things we saw is that people discovered us, Dave, when uh, they were at this great point of pain in their lives, you know, looking at bankruptcy or looking at marital discourse or something, they had to change. And that's what people need to get out of the rut. And then once you're out or, you know, you start to get out, you have to make sure you don't fall back into it. And so, and that's what I think you get the support mechanisms in place. Like you said, a system. Um, I've had some people, you know, and this is frustrating for, for me as a coach because I've worked with some people that were in their 50s and some in their 60s, and they latched onto my message and listened to what I had to say. But when they tried to get in the program, they couldn't get, they couldn't, they just could not include what I'm trying to teach or bring them along on and reconcile that with their past history or their life. So they jump on board, they might stick with me for a month or two, and then they jump out. And I'm like, you know what? I, I hurt for those people because I know that if they had stuck with me, even for a, a year, their lives in 10 years are going to be so drastically different. But because they left, I know that their lives aren't going to change at all for 10 years. And, and that's where people quit too early. You have to stick with something long enough to get the fruits. Um, you know, and I'll use this example as well. My, my wife and I went through a marital uh, tough time. Gosh, it was back in 2015. And we started going to marriage counseling. I asked my wife, I'm like, hey, I think we should go to marriage counseling. And she's like, I'm not sure I want to go because that means I'm admitting failure. And I'm like, look, you know, we've been married 18 years. Do you want the next 18 years to look like the last 18 years? And she shook her head at me and she goes, no, I don't, I don't want it. To, I want it to be better the next 10, 18 years. I don't want it to look like that. And we started marriage counseling. And after the first session, uh, the guy asked us, his name's Chuck. He says, uh, 
when would you guys like to come back? And I said, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. What about next month? What do you have open? My wife turned her eyes from me and then looked at him and said, what do you have open next week? Hmm. And we started going to weekly marriage counseling for six months. So when I talk to my friends or people that are going through tough times, they go, I said, did you try counseling? They go, well, we went for three times over three months. I'm like, we do like you, you don't know what trying, you know, you have to work hard to change. And we needed to do weekly marriage counseling for six months to change. And that was five years ago. And I tell you today, I've got the best marriage. I got a better marriage than I would have ever imagined, but that that's replicatable. I think with finances too, like if you need help, get the help until you don't need it anymore and then keep processing. Gravity is fierce. You're listening to Tony Bradshaw on the Rock Your Money, Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. And he is the host of The Millionaire Choice. And he is dropping some wisdom bombs here today. And I think that if you're listening to this, you know, go back and maybe review it and capture some of it or go and uh, subscribe to his podcast so you can get um, the perspectives that help you break out of that rut that you're in. And the rut isn't just your rut. It's the rut that your parents were in. It's maybe the rut that their parents were in. And the DNA is in the cells of your body. And if you're having trouble getting out of it, you want to get yourself into a rich environment. You know, and that's one of the things I talk about, Tony, is an acronym. I'm a big acronym guy. It's called IRMA, E-R-M-M-A. And it's get yourself into an energy-rich environment. You want to be a swimmer, go hang out with swimmers. You want to be a bike rider, go hang out with bike riders, get into an energy rich environment of people that are becoming millionaires. And it's going to be a lot easier for you to see it, the Roger Bannister effect, and for you to pick up the habits and beliefs. The MM stands for model the mentor, right? Model the person who has the saving systems in place, model the person who is going to take some of their money and reduce their fixed expenses and put it into investments, et cetera. And the A stands for accountability. If it was up to all of us, we could do it all on our own. We'd already have the success that we want, but we're humans that are affected by our environment. And Tony talked before about, about 4,000 impressions a day that you're being enticed and encouraged to spend your money. What if you were in an energy rich environment, you're listening to Tony's podcast or mine or in some of our ecosystems, reading his book, and you started to realize that you need to take those 4,000 impressions and turn them into investment impressions and to develop the strength and confidence to do that. Tony, it's been amazing chatting with you. I've got to have you back on the show. Um, I think you might have a gift for some of our listeners. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love getting the message out. I think if we're going to change the world and change the system, we've got to get this kind of information out in as many people's hands as possible. So you can pick up my book for free, either in ebook format or paperback format at themillionairechoice.com. That's themillionairechoice.com. And, you know, something I didn't mention earlier is I actually carve out an hour of my day every day because I just want to interact with whoever whoever wants to talk to me so i have a way to book that you can book an hour with me on on my website and i've just decided i'm going to give an hour of my day away for the rest of my life just to whoever needs it and uh, you can book that on the website as well at themillionairechoice.com that's amazing i love your mission you know we coined the phrase the whole life millionaire because i really believe that when we help people become wealthy financially then they're not a burden on society they're not a burden on their friends and family and when we help them become healthy, then they're not a burden on the health system, and they're not a burden on those around them time-wise and need-wise. And when we help them become better communicators, you mentioned the therapy, et cetera, on how to listen, on how to be present, on how to care for the people around them, then they're not emotionally a burden, and they're now an asset 
not a liability in their ecosystem. And if we succeed at doing that, then people can, you know, enrich in their family and people can be more fulfilled. And that's the destiny we're after. And I think you and I, um, well, you've become my new friend and my new uh, hero in that realm, because for some reason, like everything Dave Ramsey's done, everything you're doing and I'm doing, there's still this 4,000 impressions a day of uh, trying to get people to go the other way. So I think we will never be unemployed. What do you think, Tony? I think there's a lot of work to do, but I, I hope to one day be unemployed. I don't know if we'll do it, but. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I have 44 streams of income. I have learned that you don't have to work uh, if you don't want to, but this to me is not work. This is mission. This is fulfillment. And every time I help somebody get out of their debt and into uh, a financial wealth abundance and change their identity, uh, it's so rewarding. I have this one gentleman who was in a, a CPA and now he runs, he has 44 Airbnbs. He owns two boutique hotels and he's well known on social media for being the Airbnb guy. And he retired his wife, his mother and himself. And he's a completely free entrepreneur. So uh, that's so gratifying that, you know, you just want to keep on doing this work. Yeah, I love it too. And I, you know, I, and following that vein, I've actually got guys that I've decided to hang out with who are just living off of making investments every day. And that's their lifestyle. They just get up from uh, 8.30 in the morning until 10.30, place their trades and, and then go on about their day, you know, whether they're helping people or doing whatever. And uh, I, I've not done that before, but I'm kind of playing with that model a little bit now. And, and uh, it's just a different way of thinking, right? You said 44 streams of income. I think for a lot of people that are listening, that would blow their minds. Like, what do you mean? I've got one stream of income and it's called labor and I go yeah. to work, right? Yeah, well, it took me a long time. I'm not, you know, I'm 59 years old, so I've had time to do it. But it, I, you know, it varies from a solar company to medical clinics to real estate holdings to investments to cryptocurrency. I was very lucky. I bought Dogecoin at 0 0.003 cents, made a 10,000% return. But the more that you get into the conversation around people that have, you know, that geek out in a specific area then you can do that. I wrote my first book in 2006. And for two years, I was a false prophet hiding my book, not feeling like an author until I kind of wore it for a while and got used to it. And now I'm working on my fourth and fifth book. I have audio programs and mastermind groups, and I teach people how to create mastermind groups. I mean, it just sort of snowballs once you start to get the confidence. And then you have all these nice little streams that create rivers and creates this flood of opportunities. And you know, I probably live off of five percent of my revenue and i live pretty well that's and wonderful so very very blessed in that regard but i really enjoyed our conversation tony you're one of the the best individuals to articulate what's going on i think for most people and i think our listeners are going to love this so thank you so much thanks for having me on yeah my pleasure so this has been uh, rock your money and rock your life podcast and the reason we have this podcast is because i believe that once you get your money under control you're going to get your time under control. And when you have your time under control, you can actually start to do the things that matter to you. And that's the most important thing. So thanks for joining us. If you like this, please subscribe, share it with a friend, give us a review, and we'll see you on the next Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. Thank you, Tony, for joining us today. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us.
on the next episode.